Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. As many of you know, uh, we've been in Fiji for the last 10 days, um, or 10 or 11 days, whatever, how many days it was, and uh, we took a small team from the church and we partnered with Global AIM which is uh, led by Pastor Simon Gounder. He's a local missionary here in our area and, and has a great ministry. Um, and he took us, they, they have a great ministry, and so we went and partnered with them. And we took a small team from here, and we had an amazing time. And I just want to thank our team that came from here. In fact, I'd like for you to stand so everybody can see uh, Allura and Mike and Renee. And uh, we had a great time. There was the four of us, and then we connected up with three other people, so there were seven of us, and we were busy. I mean, from the point that we stepped off the plane, we didn't take a breath, and we were hitting the first school. I mean, we were moving the entire time. And so we ministered at different churches. We ministered at uh, different schools. Uh, we went to, into the schools with the idea of serving and blessing uh, the, the children by demonstrating God's love through songs and stories. At the end of each time we were in the different schools, have we shown any pictures yet? Go ahead and throw those, some of those pictures up. The first picture we have, there's our team right there. And so it's, yeah, that's a good looking crew right there. Simon is on the left. Here's some of the schools that we went in to minister to. And, and we did, like I said, we did songs and stories. And then we had the opportunity at the end of each time at, at the school, we actually gave out gifts to every single child. We had suitcases of gifts, and they were so thrilled to see those gifts. And it, it really just showed the love of Christ to each student. It gave the students a break from school. They're all happy about that. And uh, we also had the opportunity, catch this, we had the opportunity to pray over the students. Before we left the school, we could pray over the students. This was a big deal, because a couple of the schools that we went to were Hindu schools. And so we were able to put out the name of Jesus and the love of Jesus into those, into those schools. Um, the first church that we ministered to was, at, it was in a community that was called uh, Singatoka. And the name of the church was Peace Chapel with Pastor Parmeen and his wife Adeline. Uh, the church is full of wonderful believers, uh, just wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, on Friday and Saturday night, and I know I'm sharing a lot about Fiji, I do have a message here, just be prepared for it. Uh, on Friday and Saturday night, uh, we had evangel evangelical outreaches where the church went out into the community and invited all their friends, their neighbors, people in the community. And on Friday and Saturday night, we had an outdoor evangel evangelical crusade uh, where we were able to share our team was awesome. When people came down to the altars, they were able to pray with those people, uh, just believe in faith with those people. They shared their testimony, our team did, about how the power of God was working in and through their life. And, and there was over 40 people that came to Christ during our time there in ministry. Amen? It was amazing at the end of each service, just the altar times and the response from the people. And Sunday night, we had the opportunity to minister to another church in Nadi, Fiji, uh, called uh, um, Anand Assembly of God with Pastor Praveen. And they honored us there at that church, wonderful church. They took time to minister to us. In fact, on the front pew here, if you are interested in looking at uh, one of the things that they gave us, they gave, a, gave me this wreath 
And uh, it was really cool wreath. It's all made out of bark. 100% made out of bark. If you want to take a look at it, it's really cool. But they were so nice at honoring us. And then we were able to share, uh, give testimony, pray over the people. It was just a tremendous blessing to every. And every place we went, we ate food. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now. The Fijians know how to eat. I mean, I'm just telling you, after service, you don't go anywhere. All of a sudden, the tables come out, and there's just tons of food. In fact, it was so much, we were actually having to consider buying an extra seat just to get Mike home because we weren't sure he was eating so much. I don't know how you were doing it, Mike. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with you, man. There was so much food. He was eating those peppers, too. They eat everything with peppers. They have these little hot peppers, and they pass them around the table, and they, they will, so you eat the food, and you have a pepper with it. It was just, yeah, it was crazy stuff, so. On Monday, we had the opportunity as a team to go and pray over people's homes and businesses, and so they were so thankful for us from America to be here that they wanted us to come, and so the pastors set up different opportunities on that Monday, I don't know how many homes we went to, four or five different homes and businesses, where we went into their home, we prayed over the people, we prayed a blessing over their families. By the way, every home we visited, there was food. So you sit down and you eat again. I don't know how many times we ate on Monday, but we ate so many times, I was just about ready. I was praying, Lord Jesus, help me through this process. But we were, we were praying and eating. We were praying and eating. But it was on this day, on that Monday, that we experienced something that was so life-changing for me. And I would say that the rest of the team would say it was life-changing for them. And it's really what I want to share with you today about. But for those who, of you who might not know, uh, Fiji is a very Christian country, very Christian nation. Christianity is the number one religion followed by Hinduism and then Islam. The majority of the indigenous Fijians are Christian. But there's a large number of indo Fijians that, who originally came from Asia during the 1800s and the early 1900s, and they're mainly Hindu and Muslim, and that was the group of people that we were working with. This was a group that we spent the majority of our time with. It was on that Monday where we went into a home where an entire family had surrendered their life to follow after Jesus Christ. An entire family, the, 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 the husband, the wife, the kids, the sisters, the brothers, and there's a picture, I think there's a picture of the family. Oh, they're going through the slides already, so you saw the picture. But now they came to a place where they were willing to turn away from their Hindu gods. Now, this was a huge decision for this family. Hinduism is all that they knew. That's what they grew up with. That's what they understood. And each, each home, if you, if you live in a Hindu home, each home has a temple or a shrine inside their home and also on the outside of their home. And they worship these gods. And we went into this home, the, the church leaders brought into this home, because the people were ready to do what was called a cleaning. A cleaning is when we go through the house and we take all, away all of the Hindu gods, we remove everything from every part of, of the, there's, you saw a picture there where Mike, that's Mike taking, that's the, that kind of the, uh, the little temple that was inside their house. He's literally tearing that completely apart. We took all of their gods, which they spent a lot of money on. We put it in the van. We don't leave any trace of anything that would remind them of the Hindu religion. No gods. Everything was clean. Then we would go through that house. 
we would take anointing oil, we'd put it in our hand, and we would start anointing the doorways with oil. We'd start anointing the doorways. We'd start praying. And there's this little boy. He was walking with me. Oh, my gosh, he was so cute. Chubby little guy. And he was walking through there. And he was one of the kids of that family. And he was pointing out every door for me. He goes, here's a door. And so I'd anoint that door with oil and be praying, hey, over here, you missed this door. And so I'd go over and anoint that door with oil. Hey, hey, over here, you missed it. And he was leading me through their house, and I was anointing that. And see, I'm so tall, nothing was out of my reach. Man, I was anointing everything that I could see. And we were declaring victory over this house. It was amazing. It was a real decision. While we were doing that, see, we don't understand in America the sacrifice that some people make to follow Jesus. They could be shunned by their families, by their friends. Even while we were doing that, there was a group of people that were walking down the, the roadway. Their neighbors were going, what's going on over here? They were questioning what was taking place. Why are you leaving your Hindu religion? Why are you leaving your gods? What are you doing? Why are you going... They, were, they had made a decision that was going to cost them dearly, but they were, caught, they were going after Jesus Christ. Why would the church perform the cleaning? Because they knew that this family would be tempted to keep worshiping their Hindu gods along with the one true God. Most of the church that we were ministering in had converted from Hinduism to Christianity. They knew the temptation of returning back to the Hindu gods. It so reminded me as I was walking through that whole experience, it so reminded me of the Old Testament experience where all of a sudden the Israelites, when they were taken into bondage in Egypt, and the Lord warned them not to take on the gods of Egypt. And the Israelites took on all these gods from Egypt. And they started serving these gods along with trying to serve the one true God. It was a constant temptation to the Israelites. It's why God gave the first two of the Ten Commandments that he gives. The very first one is, you must not have any other God but me. The second commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 and 5. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other God. He's a jealous God. He wants all of you. He doesn't want a piece of you. He doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. He wants your entire focus on him. The definition of an idol is an image or an object of worship. The definition of idolatry is when you have created something or allowed something to come into your life and you choose to worship it more than God. The one consistent truth that we can find throughout the scripture, throughout the Bible, the one consistent truth that you can find is that God demands exclusive worship to himself. Hinduism has 33 million gods. Now, if you ask them, they would say there would be one supreme being. There's one supreme being. But that supreme being is formless and impersonal. Therefore, they worship all these man-made gods and goddesses that is supposed to represent this one supreme being. In Hinduism, you can basically create your own gods. It's very interesting. Every village has different gods. They create their gods to worship. Man, 
as I'm thinking through this, I'm walking through this, and God's just downloading to me as I'm walking through this house. And I'm thinking, how we in America create gods. How we create our own gods that we worship, that we serve. And I'm thinking, yeah, this might be the Hindu religion. I get all that, and they actually have an idol, and they have a thing made out of wood and, and stone. But we create gods in our own lives. I'm going somewhere today. Follow along with me. It's what took place with Moses, if you remember the story when Moses goes on top of the Mount Sinai, he goes to talk to God and he receives the Ten Commandments. He's up there for a long period of time. And by the time he returns, he gets back and the people, the Israelites had already created a golden image of a calf. And they were worshiping that golden image of the calf. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, you have the creator of heaven and earth. That's our God. I mean has complete authority over everything and anything that we could ever see or we could ever imagine. And how in the world could someone create a golden calf, the thing that he actually created, God created the cows, by the way, but they create a golden calf and they choose to worship a cow instead of a God, the one true God. Think about that. How could you ever do that? But yet, I think in times in our lives, we have a tendency to do things just like that. Let me declare this truth to you. There is no real power in false gods. There is no real power in false gods. What I mean is this. The devil uses these false gods to distract us from the one true God. I'll say it again. The devil uses the false gods in our lives to distract us from the one true God. The power is not in these gods. The power is in Satan. The power is not in these gods. It's in Satan who is out to kill, to steal, and destroy those who choose to follow him. The good news is that Satan's power is limited. His main power is the temptation that leads us away from the truth. We see that in the story when Jesus is, is led out from the, into the wilderness by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes out and he's tempted by Satan. Satan could do no harm to him. He just continues to tempt Jesus to, give, to surrender his life and to start worshiping Satan. Of course, Jesus passed the test. He did, absolutely 100% rebuked it with the word of God. But you see... When we choose to surrender our life to Jesus, the power of Satan is broken free from our life. We no longer have to live in fear. We can live in faith through Jesus Christ who broke the power of darkness. That's why, catch this thought. I want you to catch this thought. That's why in the Bible they are declared as false gods. And when those who are actually serving these false gods, they're declared as false prophets. The reason they're called false gods, false prophets, because they're leading you away from the one true God. Idolatry is choosing to worship other things besides God, and it robs him of the glory that is due him. It robs him of the glory that's due him. I don't know about you, but I've had, I've had times when maybe some of you guys can relate to this, where you've done a project, or you've done an assignment, or you, you've completed something, and you did it, and you put a lot of effort to it, and all of a sudden you find someone else is taking the credit for it. Have you ever experienced that before, where all of a sudden someone's taking the credit for your work? Well, it happened to me a while back, all of a sudden, I did something years ago, all of a sudden, I'm finding someone else is taking the credit for something that I worked hard at doing, and I just kind of walked away, and oh, that's okay. But think about our God. 
When we worship other things, you're giving credit to that thing for what God actually did. He's the one that created. He's the one that deserves the worship. When we choose to worship other things besides the one true God, we're giving credit to someone or something that is stealing, us, stealing away the truth. The reason that it's so important that God receives the glory is because God is the only one who has the power to deliver you from the curse of sin. The truth of God's love and power needs to be exalted and made known to all people. If someone was trying to steal your child away from your care and protection, your child, if someone was trying to steal your child away from you, you would do everything possible to protect your child. Am I right? Is there any parent here right now that would say, no, I just let my child go. Don't raise your hand right now. Stop it. You know that's a lie. You would do everything possible to protect your child. The enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy God's children. That's his goal. That's his number one goal. God's commandment to not worship false gods is a protection for the people from the lies of the enemy that will lead them down a road of destruction. Last Monday in Fiji, as we walked through that house, it was an amazing experience. And we declared victory over that home. That cute little boy that I was talking about leading me through that house. And it was almost like from a child's heart, he knew what was happening. I don't know how to explain. He was probably seven, eight years old. And there was just something, even more than, than the adults, he was excited about. He was just going, anoint this, anoint this. And I can't explain it except that it felt like lightness walking in darkness. It just felt like the lightness were fading the darkness. And it was just, I wanted, what are those things in Star Wars? Those saber, what is those, lightsabers. I wanted one of those things, man. Where I, woof, woof. You know, I just felt like I was going through the house and just clearing out. All the evil that had been in that house for so long, just clearing it out and saying, this is a house that is going to serve the Lord. For this, for every person in this house, they have made a decision. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As I was walking through the house, and let me clarify once again, there's no power in those gods. We touched those gods. Mike, you carried out so many gods from that house, and Renee, you were carrying out the gods from that house, and we were loading them up in the van, and there, there was no power in there. The only power is in Satan, and we can rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. But as we were walking through that house, I couldn't help think about my life, about us, about us here living in America. We don't necessarily worship gods that are made out of stone or made out of wood, but we do worship a variety of other things. We choose to put our confidence and trust in our possessions and ultimately distract us from the truth. Paul writes it this way, just, just so that you don't think that Pastor Tom is just preaching stuff from the top of his head. Colossians chapter 3, 5, Paul writes, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. Let just let's, let that sit in here for a while. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Our idols can be our possessions. It's those things that we put our trust in. Our money, our job, our 401k, our home. 
We can put more trust in those things than what we can put in the Almighty God. We can start worshiping those things just like worshiping a cow sounds so, so stupid. Some of us worship our homes. Some of us worship our jobs. Some of us worship our careers. It's so true. I'm, not, I'm stepping on toes. I'm trying to leave some toes left you know, on your feet. But I just feel like, man, today, after I come back from Fiji, and I saw that family make a commitment like they made a commitment to follow Christ that would cost them so much. Man, as followers of Jesus, we got to make those commitments. There's nothing wrong with having any of those things unless you're finding yourself that you're worshiping those things, that you're putting those things as priority over your priority in God. Let me share about worship. Worship comes from the heart. It's where we choose to put our trust. When you worship something, you're putting your trust into something. It's what we deem as important and significant in our life. The love of possessions can ultimately lead you away from God. It's why generosity in your life is so important. It's why I practice generosity. I do because I never want possessions to grab a hold of my heart. I never want that to take place in my life. Through generosity, we find freedom from the greed of possessions. Catch this thought. Catch, write this thought down. It takes us from a self-centered life to a God-centered purpose. That's what generosity can do for your life. It will take you from a self-centered life to a God-centered purpose. There are many things in our society that we can choose to worship, not just our possessions. Many times people worship what? Drugs, alcohol, sex. You know people can worship sex, careers, spouses. They can worship their spouse. They can worship their children. They elevate many things over their priority with God. They would rather spend time out drinking at a club than coming to church and worshiping God. Can you imagine? People do that. They would rather stay home and watch a football game than instead of coming to work. Oh, I stepped on some toes right there. Ouch. Man, I'm even missing a toe right there. Shoot, and I'm going to walk funny. You know, I say, yeah, we do. We do. We put so many things in front of God. Catch this thought again. As, as people, and this is so true. I was thinking about this, praying about this weekend. As people, we have a tendency to elevate those things that we can see and touch. We elevate those things that I can put my hand onto or that I can see. That's why these, this Hindu family, they create these gods because their god is so impersonal. They don't, have a, they don't have any way, so they create gods to represent this supreme being that they think they serve. They, they make these gods and they worship these things. And remember the commandment that God told us that we will not build any image to, that he's created to worship after. We struggle with the unseen, and that's why I speak so much on faith in our church. Because to believe and to put your trust and hope in God requires faith. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As we were going through this home in Fiji, removing all the different idols from this home, so that nothing could distract this family from serving God. It reminded me of all the idols that we have in America. In Fiji, the real struggle with the Fijians from India is that they will say, and we saw this, they will say that they will believe in Jesus Christ. 
They might even come to a worship experience. They might even come to the evangelistic crusade that we were holding. They might even come down to the altars and say, man, I'm going to surrender my heart to Jesus. But then when they go back home, guess what? Those Hindu gods are still in their home, and they still worship those gods along the way. They, they have divided attention. And the Lord says that you cannot serve two masters. You have to make a choice of who you're going to serve. That's why the cleaning process is so important in Fiji, where we were at, because they needed to clean those other gods away so they can focus on the one true God. I thought about our similarity here in the U.S., in America. I need to smile for just a minute so you know I love you, okay? <laughs> we say that we believe in Jesus, but our actions, our time, our finances don't always reflect that we truly believe in Jesus. I'm just stating facts. I can't, that's the only kind of preacher I am. I've tried to change, and God just brings me back to the same thing. What kind of preacher are you, Pastor? i got to preach God's word. It's the only thing I, only thing I know. It's the only way I can do it. we got to be able to surrender everything over to Christ. Brett had such a good word in our prayer time this morning with our leadership as we were all gathered around praying for this service this morning. And he was saying it wasn't that God has to be a, the major piece. or a piece. He needs to be the center of the puzzle of our life. Everything flows out of our relationship with God. We say that we believe in Jesus, but if I looked at your checkbook, does it show it? If I looked at the time that you spend, does it show it? Does it, does it show it when I look at the time that you spend in prayer at your knees, crying out to God for those that you believe for? Is it? I'm speaking to myself as much as you. Where's our priority in following Christ? The leadership within the church of Fiji takes a hard stance against idolatry. They have to. They live in a Hindu culture. They have to take a hard stance against idolatry. And as I was walking through that home, and the Lord reminded me of a simple scripture that I grew up when I was a child with. And I thought, man, in America, we need to take a hard stance against idolatry. This scripture was, this statement scripture was drilled in my head growing up. I heard it in Sunday school. I heard it during worship time. I hear, heard it during the preaching of God's word. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That your body, God does not need wood or stone. It's your body that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. When you make that commitment, Lord, I surrender my life to you today. When you make that commitment, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals your salvation in your life. And now all of a sudden, you are a temple of God's glory where your light can shine out. Where all of a sudden, you can impact people's lives because of His goodness that resides in your life. If you are walking into a temple, if you are walking to a church... We went to Italy a while back. We walked into some amazing churches. If you saw something that was gross or sinful inside of that church, you would look at it and say, oh my gosh, what is that doing in there? But we have no thought about something entering into our life of sin when we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When I watched the family walk through the house praying with us, and we were praying over them, and they were cleaning their house of all the gods, I had a spiritual 
find my life is Tom you need to walk through your spiritual house your body are you cleaning out anything that could distract you from the power of God working through your life if you want to see great power in your life guess what stop serving other things and start serving God start serving God make a commitment to God it's more than just a game it's more than just oh I come to church on a Sunday man what time is it? Oh, I'm going to be late for church. Oh, we'll miss the first song. That's okay. That's just that fun song that they do. I'll get to the second song. Oh, pastor, he did okay today. Seemed like he's a little off his game. Maybe he's tired from Fiji. Did have a nice shirt on, though. Boy, he had a nice shirt on. It's not so much about what I say. It's not so much... It's about coming together and worshiping God. It's making a commitment that, God, you are the center of my life. Everything in my life needs to flow through you. You need to flow through my heart. Purify me. Cleanse me, oh God. Cleanse me of any wrongdoing that I might have had. Before I preach on Sunday morning, I say a prayer on a regular basis. I'm standing there, and I say, God, just cleanse me. Purify me. Let me not be an embarrassment to your gospel. Let me preach your truth today. Let your truth be heard to all. Let people be set free by the power of your word. I just start praying and preparing myself for God to work through me in a supernatural way. What happens if every one of us here today would make such a commitment that says, you know what, I'm no longer going to play games, but I'm going to go through the house. I'm going to start cleaning I'm going to even take the fridge out and get back there where all that stuff is, you know, that you haven't seen for years. I'm going to get that stuff out. It's forgotten, but it's still there. Oh. You see, there's things that we want to hang on to in our life. Things from our past that is so embarrassing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God says, let go of those things. Let go, set, set those things free from your life so that you can see the miracle power of the working God working through you in a fresh and a new way. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are made to be separate from the world, meaning that we don't worship the things that the world worships. Not separate in the sense that we shouldn't be friends with people. We need to love people. But separate in the sense that the things of this world don't, don't affect me like it affects others. It shouldn't affect me in the same way. I shouldn't be worshiping those things. I worship God, but I love people. We can't, we can't have those things in our life who are the temples of the living God. What does righteousness have to do with wickedness? Nothing. We are children of the almighty God. I love that song that we sang at the very last. Man, the, the rocks will cry out and praise him. I mean, I'm thinking, yes, that's us. Paul writes in chapter 7, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. Because we have these promises, the promise of Jesus Christ. Dear friends, let us, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete wholeness because we fear God. We walk through that house. We do the cleaning. How important it is for us to keep our spiritual house clean. 
It's a simple message today, but it's a powerful message. I challenge you as I conclude here. If you truly want more of God, if you truly want more of His power in your relationship, if you desire more answers from your prayers, if you desire that there be more happening from your prayers, I'm challenging myself in this area, guys. I really am. Man, I tell you, clean the house. Clean the house. Get anything out of your house that will distract you from God. Get anything out of your house that keeps you from going 100% in for God. It doesn't make you weird. It just makes you a follower of Jesus Christ. A true follower of Jesus Christ. Too many times, you see, I got time. Too many times we allow the world to label us. Man, if you're in school, you're in high school, I pray for you. If you're in college, I pray for you. Because it's so hard. Man, the, the peer pressure that you guys are, are I, I get it. Man, it's hard. I don't, maybe I don't get it because I didn't have that when I was growing up. Not that kind of peer pressure. But what would happen, man, if you just clean the house and you go after God, I think you could change your campus. I think, you can, I think people say, man, that person has something different. I'm so tired of this, of, this, of this party scene. I'm so tired of doing drugs. I'm so tired of doing the alcohol. I'm so dependent on those things instead of God. Why is that person happy? Why is he joy-filled? Why all of a sudden, why, why, does, why does it seem like he just, things are working out for his life? Because he has God in his life. It's true. I challenge you. Surrender your heart to Christ today. I encourage you, set your priorities. Set your priorities. When you set your priorities, watch what God can do in and through your life. If you don't have a life verse, what's a life verse, Pastor Tom? It's a verse that you, man, focus your life upon. If you don't have one, man, I encourage you, this could be your life verse. Matthew 6, 33 is the one I would encourage you to read and to be a part of. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything else that you need. He will take care of all the rest if you just seek him first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is powerful. It does not return void. That's what your word says. I pray today, God, as the word was preached and shared, that it would penetrate the hearts and the lives of each and every one of us. That, Lord God, that we will not leave the same today, but, God, that we will leave changed once again. God, that we're going to continue to be changed, Lord God, into the image and into your glory, Lord God. Each and every day as we step out in faith and give one more thing over to you, God, we just can surrender one more thing, surrender one more thing, God. We're changing into the image. Lord God, we're being sanctified by the power of God. Your Holy Spirit is working in and through our lives, Lord God. I thank you for that. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're here today and you've never made us, you've never made the commitment to surrender to Christ, you've followed all kinds of things. You followed the party life, you followed alcohol, you followed whatever it might be in your life. Sex, careers. You followed all those things, man. You're saying, Pastor Tom, I found out that I keep on following those things, and they just don't take me anywhere. And today you're saying, man, I need to, I need to go someplace. I need to go someplace, someplace that loves me, where I can surrender my life. That's Jesus. 
If you are feeling like right now, like you're being pressed on, that's the Holy Spirit pressing you. And I just want to take a moment here. If you want to surrender your life to Christ, just raise your hand real high. And I want to say a prayer with you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Church, let's say this prayer together. And I want you, if you raise your hand today, I want you to say this prayer in faith. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I clean my house. I repent of my sins. I choose to follow you. Set me free from my sins. Help me to live righteously. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.